very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. The fuck? This woman? Certainly this one. This vice president woman. I love her, I do. I love Kamala Harris. She's not my girlfriend. I have a I have a girlfriend. She's a TikTok famous girlfriend. That's what I have. But damn, Kamala Harris, if I was single, oh boy, if I was single, I would be all up in a Kamala Harris, getting me some Kamala Harris. We do love her here. She's going to destroy the world. She will ruin the world, and she might make it better through ruining the world. That's how it works. But she's coming. She is the next president of the United States of America. Maybe later this year. Maybe 24, maybe 25, 26. But she's coming. If Joe Biden gets re-elected, there will be, most likely, the way things are going with him, a president, Kamala Harris. I just couldn't contain myself, okay? Tried to contain myself, and I fucking couldn't on this one. I just had to play that video now on this episode. I had to listen to it. I haven't listened to it enough. She's so special. She is. And she will be Madam President. She fucking will be that. And I am both horrified and extremely excited about that. She's weak. She's so weak as well. She's such an interesting mix of a human. The Barack Obama weakness is inside her. I was thinking yesterday about when Barack Obama went to China, his last G20, and they arrived with the plane with Air Force One. And usually when a world leader, world leader arrives at one of these things or in a foreign country, you know, they get the, they get the fucking stairs, and they get a ceremony, they get some mucking fucking mucking flowers maybe, some fucking flowers maybe, get some kids smiling, and when Barack Obama last went to China, he fucking flew in on Air Force One, and the, Chi <laughs> the Chinese wouldn't even give him fucking stairs, they wanted to show him up, they wanted to disrespect him. And look, if China does that, this is what you do. You don't fucking take the back stairs. You don't step off the plane from the back. No. You say, oh, you really? You're not letting me, you're not giving me some stairs. You won't even provide me president of the United States of America that fucking decency. Well, that's what we're going to do. I'm going fucking to Hawaii. I'm going to fly to Hawaii. Go fly Hawaii. And I'm going to enjoy Hawaii for a day or a two-day or a three-day vacation instead. And then I'm going to fly back to Washington, D.C. And then I'm going to fucking ban all Chinese planes 
from American airspace. Okay, I'm going to do that. Or maybe I'll make it a bit more... Chinese planes can come into the American airspace, but no more stairs. The people in the planes, when they land, they want to get on American soil, they have to jump. And not from the cargo hold. They can't fucking go out through the cargo hold. Or if they got a back door, slip out through the back door. No, they got to jump from the top fucking door of the plane. Executive order. There you go. Fuck you, China. Should have given me stairs. Should have given me stairs. But instead, Obama, he just went and kind of, you know, played it off. And downplayed it. And shrugged it off. It was like, hey, you know, you know, you know. Blamed his own fucking country for bringing a bunch of security. A bunch of cars, a bunch of vehicles, a bunch of planes. A bunch of helicopters. He blamed America for what China did to the President of the United States. Fucking weakness, man. The weakness of that man. And Kamala Harris, it's all the same with her. Can you imagine her? How she would react. (laughs) You know, live wire. She's more insane. Obama, weak, pragmatic. You know, he took out Osama bin Laden. That's the only thing he he ever did. And that's the only thing he wanted to do. Because he knew, hey, if I get Osama bin Laden, I can relax. And that's my legacy, you know? I got that done. People won't think I'm weak. People will think I did something. I get that done. I don't have to do anything else. I just fucking lay back. And do that. Just make that decision. Get that done. And I'm fucking coasting forever on that. And that's what, you know, that was his attitude. But Kamala Harris going into China, they don't give her stairs. Like, she'll probably, you know, get off back of the plane, humiliated. (laughs) She'll do a fucking word salad about how tarmac and planes exist. In the the fragility of time. And time is where planes and tarmac coexist in time, which is extremely fragile. She'll do that. But then she'll get back to Washington and it will irk her, you know, she'll realise it. She'll read the fucking news stories. It will get inside her. And then she'll do something fucking stupid. She'll get a war with Costa Rica. That's what she would do. You know? That would show China. That will fucking show China. I'm a fucking go to war with Costa Rica. Over mango prices. Mango prices too high coming from Costa Rica. That's what she would do. She's a fun one. Anyway, let's let's stop talking about Kamala Harris because this fucking episode isn't on Kamala Harris, and we've spent eight minutes talking about her. War in Ukraine. 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 I think it will end in the next. Two to three year period. Anywhere from one year to three years. I think that's when the war in Ukraine will de facto end. It's going to end soon. Not too soon, but it's going to end soon. I was one of the only people in the world who thought Ukraine could fight back. And Ukraine could win this thing. I said it. 
I said it in the episode that was recorded on the day of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I said that Ukraine could fight back and they could win. And so far, what's happened is that they have shown that, yeah, they can fight back. And they can win. I think it's pretty obvious that they can only do that uh, in the short term with American help. You know, with, with help from Europe as well. If America and Europe pull the weapons, you know, if they pull the funding for the war, for the defense of Ukraine, then the country most likely would, in the short term, collapse. In the long term, they got tens of millions of people in Ukraine, and those tens of millions of people will fucking remain or become, you know, even more, they will become soldiers. And they're not going to fucking accept ever becoming a part of Russia. It's just not going to happen. So if America does pull the, the funding, if Europe does pull the funding, the war would probably end in Russia's favor uh, in a very favorable situation for Russia where they do take most of the strategic points, you know, the most of the strategic cities and infrastructure all across Ukraine. It would go to Russia in the short term. Phase of the war would have been ended, but then the war would continue as a massive guerrilla campaign of most of the remaining population of Ukrainians in the country and any Ukrainian returning to the country would sacrifice themselves. Ukrainians are hardcore people. They've proven that they fucking care and love their country and they're willing to die for it. And, you know, the proof is in the fact that none of them fucking laid down. Okay, some of them did. <laughs> I'm sure that they were the fucking cowards who ran away from the situation. But mostly, you know, they go straight into that fire. And they have been, and they've been dying on a very large scale. So there's a few ways it can end. I think the most likely way it will end will be a de facto stalemate. Where the map is now, will pretty much be the end result and will pretty much it's pretty much in a stalemate situation already the russians tried you know to do their push which wasn't very successful they they advanced very little for the amount of resources they expended in that push forward and ukraine are getting ready for the this spring offensive that's supposed to be coming it's a bit late. I mean, it's getting late going into summer now, and it still hasn't materialized. But Ukraine are getting ready to that for that, and I'm sure it will come, and I'm sure they'll make some gains. But I think where the map is now, that eastern sliver of Ukraine, that fucking banana going down to Crimea, I think that will pretty much be the, the geographical situation. That will be where it ends up for Russia and Ukraine 
And that sliver, that banana, will become another feature of geopolitics, another interesting element on the world map. Like the DMZ, you know? Like those fucking made-up countries in the Caucasus. Like Transnistria. It will become another one of those things. A... Oh, like an interesting... Ooh, oh, that's still, you know, going on there. But at the same time, it's frozen. It will be that kind of thing. De facto, it will be part of Russia. Ukraine will never accept that. They'll never accept that banana being a part of Russia. But in all practicality, it will be. And then people will move on from the Ukraine war. The world will move on from the Ukraine war. And 10, 20 years, Russia will most likely, you know, find a way back into the global system. It probably will be welcomed back in um, by a future American president. Because they don't... America doesn't want Russia and China to be too close. We're already seeing the effects of that now, you know, and it's very worrying. It's very worrying for the United States and Europe and other countries, Western Freedom Club countries, to have a fucking real alliance between Russia and China. That's bad news. It really is. So I think that's most likely what's going to happen. But then, of course, there's the outliers. Russia could fucking win. It could. The West could give up on funding. Politically. They could decide, yeah, this isn't worth it anymore. The people of the United States could turn against it. The people of Europe could turn against it. All of the money, all of the weapons... You know, the demands from the Ukrainians coming in more and more. And they might stop or, you know, effectively stop. Stop giving them what they really, really, really need. And Russia could overrun the country. And then there's the guerrilla campaign coming from Ukraine for a long, long time. And this is like, uh, uh, you know, an ongoing thing that lasts decades. There's just another reality Of the world. Like, oh yeah, Russia, Ukraine. (laughs) At war still. Russia kind of controls the country, but doesn't really control the country. Doesn't have the people at all. Doesn't control the hearts and minds of those people. And the war continues in in a very different way. And there's the other outlier. The Ukraine could win. It's possible that... You know, the funding that the West has has given Ukraine, it really starts to show itself even more. It It already has shown itself. But it really does make a difference in... And with the Ukrainian spirit as well, the fighting spirit of the Ukrainians, of course, those two things combined, they really break out and they smash to pieces that banana and they get big chunks of it back And maybe even go into Crimea. They could win the whole fucking thing back. That is also possible. It's it's unlikely. 
But unlikely things do happen. An outright Ukrainian victory in this and an outright Russian victory in this, both unlikely scenarios. But unlikely scenarios fucking happen. They do. So it's it's possible. Both of both boast both of those things are possible. But I think as someone as someone who correctly predicted the way this thing was going to go, who has now seen it, been going that way for a long time, and the current situation, the current realities on the ground in Ukraine, I think the most likely outcome of this is a stalemate. Ukraine still claims the territory Russia took, and vows to get it back but they agree to pause fighting for the time being and de facto it's controlled by Russia and Russia agrees also to stop any further incursions into Ukraine they they agree to stop bombing you know cities across Ukraine whenever the fuck they feel like it you know, and the situation normalizes, and in five years, ten years, we wake up, and everything is pretty much the same, Ukraine is a normal functioning country again, as is Russia, and this banana, part of Russia, but still recognized widely as being Ukrainian. And then at some point, you know, this will all fucking happen again. Russia will <laughs> will invade. You know, try and take the rest of it back. Ukraine will fight back. Or, you know, Ukraine will try and, you know, strike for... Maybe they'll try and get nuclear weapons back. Which they should never have given up in the first place. Of course they shouldn't have. We've already talked about that. And then they'll go in. Ukraine will go in. And, you know, maybe they'll take it, take the banana back then. But that's how it's going to end. And it's pretty fucking... It's horrible. It's not senseless. I was going to say the word senseless. But it's not senseless. To continue fighting. Because Ukraine wants to capture as much territory back before they go into that reality of stalemate. And Russia wants to do the same. They want to capture as much territory fucking that, that they had at the beginning of this war back from Ukraine they want to go further into Ukraine and they want to then be like all right this is enough for now this is the best we can do for now it's best we leave it for a while and come back stronger another time so it isn't senseless but it is horrible. It's horrific, man. You guys know I watch gore. I watch a lot of gore. Not all the time, but enough of the time to... Uh, and when I do watch it, I go deep in, you know. I watch a lot of it. And I've seen a lot of videos of Ukrainian soldiers and Russian soldiers dead on the you know, ground, on the dirt. And the way they die as well is not pretty. It's not. Um, and a lot of more people, 
in this upcoming, you know, spring push, spring offensive by the Ukrainians, spring counter-offensive by the Ukrainians, they're going to fucking die that way. Men, mostly young men, but men, you know, (laughs) mostly men, they're going to be killed in horrible ways. And for a lot of them, it's going to be quick. It's going to be a bullet in the fucking head or through the chest. But a lot of them, it's a bullet in the fucking shoulder and the knee and they can't stop the bleeding. It's, it's you know, being left to die out there in dirty forests. It's torture. A lot of it's torture. And also the, just the constant knowledge of you know, seeing other people around you die and knowing that, hey, that's, that's your future. You want to know what your future looks like? Most likely doesn't look like returning home to your wife or your girlfriend. Or if you get some kids, then see your kids again. Or go home and see your doggy or your kitty cat. Or your fishies. Or if you got some other pets, you know, you see them as well. Go home and fucking pet your giraffe. No. Most likely your future is being shot to pieces. And that's it. And then being up, taking pictures of, videos of, and being uploaded to a gorse. <laughs> you know? That's your future. It's horrible. It's horrible that war is still a thing. I'm a realist. I am. But I'm also a visionary. I'm a dreamer. I'm a doer. War is the law of the world, you know? It's the ultimate law. When all the bullshit that we create to protect ourselves, to make us safe, to keep us safe in, you know, through, you know, most of the time, War is the breakdown of all of that, and it's the ultimate law, and it's the way things really get decided in the world. And I think if we keep going as a species, if we don't destroy ourselves miraculously, if we can last, I think war will fade away completely, especially as we become transhuman especially as we really evolve past the horror of the human experience and being human and this just the blob i keep talking about the blob i keep talking about the blob recently and it's true you know the blob the human blob So yeah, stalemate. That's how it ends. Most likely. That's the most likely scenario. But it's also possible the less likely scenarios happen. Ukraine has to get better at asking for stuff as well. They're being a bit too demanding and they have been a bit too demanding. When I don't even know if this is fucking true. But when the war first began, I saw on TikTok a video of the national anthem 
of Ukraine being played throughout the streets of the city, one of their cities. You know, I think it was Kiev. And they were playing the national anthem of Ukraine on the loudspeakers. And that's the kind of thing that gets the hearts and minds of the world. That fucking resistance. That, and also with with Zelensky, with the famous line of, I don't need a ride, I need, you know, I need bullets, I need ammunition, I need weapons. That fucking approach of like, yeah, look, help us if you want, but we're going to fight and die for our country to the last Ukrainian because this is our country and we're not giving it up. Now, we would like your help. It's great if you could help us. And it is beneficial to you as well, because who knows what's after Ukraine. If Russia takes Ukraine, who's fucking next? So help us now here in Ukraine. Save our country. Help us save us our country. But if you can't, if you don't want to, whatever, domestic politics, opinion, or, you know, money, your own issues, your own fucking supplies, you can't do it, then fine. But we're staying here and we're fighting to the death. That's what's happening. That attitude, I think Ukraine was doing the propaganda in that way much better early in the war. Like when I saw that video of the national anthem of Ukraine being played throughout Kiev, I think it was Kiev. I mean, that made me feel like I wanted to go to Ukraine. And I wanted to kill some Russians coming into Ukraine. That's what it made me feel like. And I'm sure everyone else, you know, <laughs> maybe even Russians, you know, it changed the opinion of Russians seeing that. Like, that's effective propaganda. Those touches, those things are very effective. Okay, they are very effective. Defiance. Everyone loves the underdog. Everyone loves the one who is being invaded, who fights back. You know? People love that. People love when some drunk dickhead who thinks he's hot goes up to, you know, a smaller gentleman who looks perhaps like he he's going to get his ass fucking beaten. And they love to see the smaller gentleman break out some fucking <laughs> karate. Some fucking Krav Maga. Some fucking judo. Some fucking ancient Chinese wisdom system of fighting that the world doesn't even know about yet. Been buried for centuries, for millennia. They love to see that. And they love to see the smaller gentleman destroy the cunt that's coming at him with the fists people love that and i think ukraine they kind of lost that they had that for for a while for you know the in the beginning of the war and every now and then they still you know do have it and the reality is that they're still fucking being invaded they are still you know the target of this they are still the underdog but they need to they need to go further into that, deeper into that. And they need to do more things like even if it's fucking lies. They need to do more of those kinds of things. And they need to lay off a bit 
on the demands for planes and on the pushy language. (laughs) Because, look, it's just true. Okay, it's fucking true. When the peoples of the United States, of the United Kingdom, of France, Germany, Poland, other countries, when they see Ukraine demand things, they get put off a bit, you know? Much better to take the attitude of, please, can you help us? Can you give this stuff? And if you're not giving it to us, then it could be bad for you in the long run. But hey, fine. We're still going to fight. We're still going to die for this thing. We're still going to be, you know, practicing our ultimate defiance in the face of a fucking supposed superpower coming into our country. So yeah, Ukraine's got to get got to get back to its roots. <laughs> got to get back to its roots in this war. And I think they'll get more from that. And I think they will continue the funding for longer if they can get back to that because the people they'll have the people on their side, you know. They'll continue to have a real strong majority of Americans, of Europeans on their side. Oh, I'm going to have some more. Fucking hell, man. I just woke up. I woke up and 20 minutes later, I brushed my teeth. I woke up, brushed my teeth. 20 minutes later, it took. It took fucking 20 minutes from getting out of bed to hit and record. Had a bit of water. I brushed my teeth. Mmm. And then I hit record, and I fucking did it. And we're nearing the end of the episode now. We've done it. I've said everything I want to say about Ukraine, I think, for now, anyway. I hope I hope the wildest scenarios don't happen. I hope the nukes don't fly. I hope the nukes don't fly. I'll add that in, because that would be, at this point, it would be a boring weekend. It would be a... In this situation, if Vladimir Putin gets to do it, boring. Fucking boring. You know what a great movie is? The Package. If you watch The Package, you should watch it if you haven't watched it. I think it's one of the funniest comedies in the history of comedies. Comedic films, man. Comedy films, comedy movies. It's one of the best ones. It makes you fucking laugh, is what it does. And yet, I I wrote this on bradnichols.com last night, because I watched the package again last night, late last night. And then I searched, because it was fucking hilarious. I was laughing the whole way through, man. That's what you want from a comedy movie. So I searched, like, uh, the the reviews, and, and the reviews are fucking terrible. Most of them. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. 
Hey, rock, 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 rotten tomatoes. Has it at like forty percent? And it's you know it's like oh you can't fucking can't make a movie about a dick joke out of a dick joke. Fuck off, you can. Yes, you can. And they did, and it's one of the funniest movies of all time. So those people can get fucked with dicks, severed dicks, on metal poles with a spike on the end. Because it's a great fucking movie. And I don't, look, hundred years, people will still be watching that movie, and they'll still be laughing, while all these shitty reviewers have been forgotten. That's the way it is, man. Great art is not appreciated a lot of times. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it isn't. You know, in the time period of that great art. And I know this because I'm the greatest artist of all time. And oftentimes, not all the times, but oftentimes, you know, some of my work isn't appreciated. Not appreciated the way it should be. Yeah, so I know. I know very well. I know more than anyone. All about this. Anyway, that's the episode. Fucking. Yeah, that's the episode. Uh, See you in the next one. Visit bradnichols.com for all your latest Brad news and content and become a patron for every episode of Brad Nichols Podcast. Thank you.